Welcome to Career Crossroads. I'm your host, Jonathan Colleton, and if you're struggling with a career decision or work with people who need help making career decisions, I am glad you are here. If you've listened to the Chronicling Career Crossroads series I put out in February and March, you will have heard that changes are coming to the podcast. Well, today is the beginning of those changes with the first ever CC Shorts episode. These episodes will be shorter conversations about one specific pivot in the life of my guest because there is plenty we can learn in about 20 minutes. For our inaugural episode of CC Shorts, my guest is Brian Mulatto, an old colleague of mine who left student affairs for the private sector. If you want to hear how he made that move and what we can learn from it, keep listening. Brian, my old colleague from UTSC, welcome to the podcast. What's up, Jonathan? So we're going to talk today on the very first Career Crossroads Shorts episode about your specific pivot from working with me at UTSC to what you do now, because it seemed like you were on one path and now you're on a, a kind of a different path, but it still seems like you're super successful at that. So let's let's get into that. So tell me first about at UTSC, what it is you're doing. You're doing community engagement type work. What briefly led you into that? And you know what was that work like at UTSC? For sure. So, so briefly, I would say my career was summed up starting in the non-for-profit space, and then I moved into the uh, post-secondary uh, public sector space, uh, specifically working in universities. So prior to that, the fast way of summarizing it was I worked in a non-profit after-school program during my undergraduate days. I got poked by a friend uh, to be like, hey, we have a work-study program. Shouts out to work-study program. Jonathan knows those very well. Mm -hmm. Uh, To be like, hey, we have a mentorship program at our university and you do non-profit mentorship uh, essentially with your after-school program. Do you want to take a work-study job? Uh, To be honest, I think someone quit, so they needed someone like next week. So I was like, yeah, that seems pretty easy. Uh, And that's where the journey started. One of my favorite opportunities, shouts out to the tri-mentoring program at Toronto Metropolitan uh, University. Uh, Dabbled over there, did a couple work-study jobs, did a couple full-time jobs, bumped over to University of Waterloo, uh, to do housing uh, over there. That was a fun experience. And then uh, I knew I wanted to bring it home. Scarborough is very important to me. So I brought it home to uh, University of Toronto Scarborough campus in the student life department. I took on a variety of roles uh, like community engagement facilitator, uh, had a secondment doing the first year programs, uh, did community engagement. And that portfolio had a whole bunch of things in it. But essentially that role was Uh, handling uh, community partnerships and getting our student community to be community engaged with the local East Scarborough organizations. So that's uh, where I was as I was, uh, I guess, at my crossroads at uh, UCSC. I love that. I love when people plug parts of the name of the podcast. (laughs) It's great. Oh, and that's perfect because my next question really was, so tell me about that crossroads moment. It was December 2019. That was the end of you at UTSA. I remember you telling us you were moving on. So what was that process like for you? Why did you leave and why did you move on to something else? Oh my goodness. Um, To be honest, I, the greatest blessing shouts out to Nadia and the team, uh, Nadia being the manager of the previous department was the opportunity to 
expeditiously move me around to different roles and get me a feel of what I wanted to do in the student affairs world, especially as a young professional back then, uh, believing that this could be his forever career path. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in doing that, I would say uh, I was blessed to have that opportunity to move around so quickly and try different things. But also on the same lens, I was approaching a point where I was like, there's no more role here. Uh, I don't want to say that's left, but really inspired me. Like, for example, uh, there are portfolios like leadership that weren't necessarily my thing, student groups that weren't necessarily my thing, international advising, which, uh, to be honest, I wasn't qualified for. Uh, so I think I did everything I was equally interested for. And I was trying to find out what was next. And in that exploratory phase, I was exploring all these student affairs, university-based opportunities, and I found that I was either not finding what I was interested in or pursuing things that I was, I believed was the next best thing to pursue, not because I was actually genuinely interested Mm. uh, in that opportunity as well. They just seem like that's the natural next step forward from what you've done to the next job in the chain, it's these are those jobs. But you were doing it, and then at some point, you look at it and realize, like, do I really want to do those things? Exactly, and that, honestly, a lot of that came with uh, accompanied anxiety about, like, hey, why is my peer making the pivot and loving it? Why are they making the peer and succeeding? Uh, and not necessarily in a comparison lens, just more so in a they're so passionate and happy in their jump, and I'm trying to find what that jump could be, right. and that's when I started to maybe consider maybe the jump isn't here. So, yeah. Yeah. So that is, I love that you like point that out that what's that phrase? Comparison is the thief of joy that if you just look around at the people who are in the same career as you, maybe, and you see them switching to a different job and realize that like they're thrilled with it and, and you don't see that thrilling future for you, then you know, why keep comparing yourself? Just start to think what you did, which is maybe my future is elsewhere. I love that. So as you started to realize or come to that realization, what things did you start to think might be in your wheelhouse, might be the things you'd be more excited about as you went forward? I will say as I've jumped through different industry and roles, the one consistent thing I knew was what I was passionate about was student development. Uh, or even even at the core element of that, just helping students and helping youth. I didn't. I I wanted to believe that universities was the place where I could achieve that because in my junior view of the industry and world, I saw it as the only place I could achieve that. Uh, but now, I guess hindsight, five years later, I am doing what I describe largely as student, at least student connection and student development opportunities. Uh, in a new private sector tech environment. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I that was kind of what was pushing me to explore because I knew that's what I liked. Uh, it was just moving away from the, it is student affairs and university that gave me a, a whole bunch of anxiety in mm-hmm. lead up to that crossroad, you know? For sure. I mean, when you think you have this path all laid out in front of you, to suddenly realize like this road, th- there is a roadblock for whatever reason. And now you have to find 
not a way around, but like a whole other path to take. I totally understand the anxiety about that because I've been open about that. That like, that's kind of what I feel like maybe I'm going through or that's why I started this whole podcast. It's like, do I want to do this thing forever? And so uh, I'm still working my way through that, but you have Mm. come out on the other side. So talk to me about that first role outside of student affairs. I remember how excited we were for you. You got hired Mm. at AMD. Tell me all about that. AMD Advanced Micro Devices. If you know gaming and laptops, you know AMD. I love that organization. Um, to be honest, I was in the breath of my anxiety and exploration phase when I got a message from a LinkedIn recruiter that said, hey, uh, are you interested in this opportunity at the semiconductor tech company? Luckily, I know enough about tech to be like, oh, I know AMD. This is, I, I'm not an engineer, but I know about AMD. Um and the funny story is, and I'm not going to take too much time with that, but I thought it was spam and I was about to ignore it, yeah. but I was reading it so deep in my just anxiousness of the expiration that I was like, you know what? I'm entertaining this person. Uh, I would say I was kind of like, ah, whatever. I just literally clicked the phone number and I was like, hello. Yeah. You sent me a message. <laughs> and then they were like, yeah, it's a real opportunity. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. Nice to meet you. My name is Brian Millett. <laughs> so I was, I was ready to just accept anything and anything. And um, that role was equally an eye-opening experience in a positive way because I could explore my passions in a new environment, but also a very humbling place uh, when uh, after spending many years in the student affairs world, I'd like to say I I at least found a routine of how to do things semi-successfully and in an impactful way Uh, that was flipped on its head. And I got very humbled in my first year to be like, Brian, this is new for you. Take it slow. Try your best. And you're going to do just going to take it one day at a time. So uh, I left I left loving it after two and a half years uh, for uh, a a growth opportunity with the current company, Qualcomm. So, okay, great. So now let's jump a little bit into what the role is at Qualcomm, because what I really want to do is hear about what that is like and then sort of compare it to what you were doing now just to see how different your your path has gone from, you know, what you initially maybe expected you were going to do in student affairs. For sure. Uh, So my Qualcomm role, uh, I have the role of Global University Relations Partner. Uh, That role really has two outcomes that I'm trying to achieve. Uh, It's how can we bring not only the top technically aligned students, but diverse students, whether it is race, ethnicity, background, underrepresented, uh, demographic, uh, nicheness of academic skill set, all the things when you think of diversity uh, to join the Qualcomm team, because we want all of those new, fresh ideas to bring you, uh, to be honest, uh, many things, but 6G uh, internet speed, because right now we're at 5G, we're trying to bring you 6G. Um, And what I do right now is I work with universities, community partners, charitable giving entities, internal and external partners to try and achieve those two outcomes. Uh, Like currently, uh, right now, I met with our, uh, like this morning rather, I met with my uh, EMEA, so uh, my Europe, uh, Middle Eastern and Asia recruiter uh, to talk about targeted schools that we could create student partnerships, scholarships and charitable givings over there. So that's an example of what I do. One thing, and then I might flip gears and be like, hey, we should probably work with this local uh, women in STEM nonprofit and teach them how to uh, do resumes and share the best practices of that. Because I know eventually that could lead to uh, students that develop their skill set to apply to the Qualcomm job. And then other things is like maybe syncing with my manager to be like, where are the budgets this year and where can we move it to have more impactful 
just impact in schools that we want to bring up. Pulling a random example out of my head, UBC, uh, Western Canada, uh, we know has a wicked computer engineering and electrical engineering program. What can Qualcomm do as an entity situated on the east coast of Canada do impactfully to make sure that those students are aware and interested uh, to join our company? Is that us flying over for a career fair? Is that us putting a sponsorship name and logo on their ECE department? Or is that uh, me going on LinkedIn and poking a bunch of uh, students, even professors and faculties to be like, hey, y'all should consider ours because your curriculum aligns exactly to what we're doing. A really random job, uh, but I think it falls under supporting students because the passion I found in this circle was when I can help a student get their first job. That's like my favorite moment. Yeah. You know, so hearing this as an outsider, the student development side of what you did before hasn't gone away at all. And so the thing you were really passionate about from your role in student affairs is still there and you still get to do that on a regular, even day-to-day basis, but the methods of what you're doing it are so dramatically different. And so Hmm. you go from working very local within the Scarborough community at UTSC, impacting UTSC students, working with campus partners, some community partners, and now you're beyond national, you're international in terms of the different students and companies you're connecting with to uh, try and support these students in their future growth in their career. And so despite the fact, from my perspective, despite the fact that you had this big crossroads where, you know, like you were talking about that anxiety you felt over, like, what am I going to do? This, this path isn't for me anymore. You're still achieving the same thing. But I wonder about you because when I when you left for AMD, I didn't feel like you were on that sort of same path anymore. But it sounds to me like you kind of are. You're just doing it at a bigger scale. It's uh, it it's similar and different in some ways. Uh, I will say, if I had to talk about the development student difference between the two, although I'm achieving both, I would say what I'm doing right now in the recruitment field could be high volume transactional mm. and uh what i was doing over there was i would use the term meaningful because meaningful works on many lenses but definitely like when you talk about community partnerships at utsc there's a layer of just i don't want to say sensitivity but effort and yeah. all, all the informative I mean, things that go into that you know it sounds like you had more time with less people before and now it's more people less time with each would that be right Oh, it's never a dull moment at Qualcomm, 100% correct. (laughs) There you go. Okay, and so obviously, you've been doing this now for, what, at Qualcomm, about a year, then you're two and a half, three and a half years since you left UTSC, Mm. which is probably almost the amount of time you were at UTSC, maybe a little longer than that. Could you, when if you think back to when you were at UTSC, could you see yourself doing what you're doing now, or would this be a surprise? It would be a surprise, because... Uh, the earlier Brian was, and you've seen this, Brian, when he was at an unhealthy level of type A organization. Uh, and I don't say that as a gloat. I say that as a Brian, it is not that important. Move on. You know, I was very meticulous about things. But why I'm saying that is I thought for some reason at age 26, I had to have my life planned and confirmed. Even if I didn't align with it anymore. I was like, well, I made the plan. I got to stick with it, you know? So that's mm-hmm. why I say no back then, because I wasn't in the right mindset to accept the fact that what is true back then didn't have to be true 
at this point in time or tomorrow, you know? I love that. That is, uh, you know, it's funny. My next question was going to be, if you could give advice to your younger self, <laughs> what would it be? And I feel like you've covered it off there already. So uh, unless you have another pearl of wisdom for us, uh, maybe we're, we're good to end it there because I feel like we've talked through your whole career pivot pretty well. What would I say? Uh, oh, yeah. The final question, advice. Uh, that was a big one. Uh, what is true today doesn't have to be true tomorrow. Um, I, I would say if I had to reflect on my time doing that transition into tech, the biggest skill set I could have is just kindness to myself. Uh, me being a perfectionist, I had to keep reminding myself that I didn't know what I didn't know. And that was okay. I was expecting myself to be like, yo, I've worked in student affairs for like student development fields for like six to seven years. This should come easy. It's just on the other side of the industry. Uh, some things did come industry uh, easy. Some things uh, didn't. And like all the technical things aside, that's one of the biggest things I have to continue to remind myself today. Uh, and that's what I would tell everyone else that would be listening to something like this, that, uh, it might not be the smooth, happy, flawless transition of you killing it and being number one right away. But you know what? Just keep trying each day and hopefully you can make uh, the next day a little easier than the day before. Perfect advice. We're going to end it there. Thanks so much, Brian. <laughs> no worries. Thanks, Jonathan. I knew Brian was the right person to start this series with, and I hope you very much enjoyed our conversation. I am really, really glad that Brian mentioned the anxiety he felt over not finding the next step forward in his career path while his peers were moving along. Because Brian's experience is so normal, but it is not something we talk about enough. Yes, we just heard Chris Lawarn talk about anxiety over his career in his interview last week, but how many of us have tried to outwardly hold it together to look strong and competent and in control? when we are secretly crumbling on the inside. It's inevitable that you're going to look at those around you and compare your experiences to theirs. And that can be incredibly tough when on the outside, it looks like they are cruising while you might be struggling. Ultimately, we have no idea how others are feeling though, unless they tell us. Your peers could be struggling as much or more than you are, and maybe they also want to look strong and competent and in control. You know what's really important, though? The anxiety is temporary. Eventually, you'll find something that is the right fit. Or if you position yourself well and you let other people know that you're looking, perhaps like in Brian's case, the right position will find you. When that happens, be open to the fact that while you may be doing different tasks, you can have the same impact on others that you had before. Whether that be in student and community development, like in Brian's case, or something completely different. That is a wrap on this episode of CC Shorts, and I hope you enjoyed hearing about Brian's career path as much as I did. If you're a student looking to work at Qualcomm, I'll put Brian's LinkedIn info in the episode notes. And whoever you might be, I'd love to know what you thought of today's episode. You can contact me at jonathan at careercrossroads.ca. And if it's good feedback, tell it to someone else and share this episode with them. If it's bad feedback, maybe just email me. 
If you want to hear more interviews like this, go to careercrossroads.ca or follow the podcast on any podcast player out there. And come back next week for the inaugural episode of Career Coach Conversations.